the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and as you know, I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. And in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation laws and a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. And because of my education, my training, my experiences, and my observations, as well as my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and wealth creation and wealth preservation and wealth transfer and the roles these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law because in my opinion at bottom, bankruptcy law is all about the reclamation, uh, redemption and revitalization of the economic lives of financially distressed individuals, families and businesses. But only if those financially distressed family units and or business entities are headed by honest folk. Like, I try to make sure my clients are. And I also practice in the related areas of bankruptcy, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law and personal and small business finance as my area of focus, I've spent the greater part of the last nearly 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment and independence and autonomy of women, people of color, communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I grew up as a military brat, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes. And if the situation is right, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the targets of, and more unfortunately, more and more the victims of, some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse you could ever imagine that seems to be running rampant in our society today. So I'm coming to you again today to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, as always, I must also ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that 
that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully to provide you with at least a general outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need and I urge you to obtain if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances and your other assets. So, continuing the subject we broached a couple of weeks ago, that is to say examining conservatorships of adults and guardianships of children versus having an estate and personhood planning tool, by taking today a little bit of a deeper dive into the this crucial area of law under the California Probate Code. Because if we don't create our own estate plans, which include how we want our humanity to be treated, uh, if but more likely when we lose cognition, while we have our wits about us, that is to say do this planning now, the po- probate court will appoint someone to take control of our persons and our states and that person will be able to make decisions for us in a conservatorship without any input from us. Now the last time we got together I gave an overview of conservatorships and guardianships on the California Probate Code along with an update of the law in the form of Assembly Bill 1194 that Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law on September 30th, 2021, the same day a judge in uh, the Los Angeles Superior Court suspended uh, Mr. Jamie Spears as conservator for his daughter, Brittany Spears. Uh, Now, AB 1194 implements some significant measures to curb abuses of conservatees. Now, the conservatee is the person conserved. And it also affords conservatees or proposed conservatees the ability to have uh, a meaningful advocate against the deprivation of their rights. Because that's what happens when you're put into a conservatorship. Someone else stands in your shoes and makes decisions for you. So you really should have the ability, even if you're only half here, to have some input into that process. Now, the bill gained traction after the public outcry over the Exposure of the hidden underbelly of conservatorships that came to light in the wake of the widely reported alleged financial and bodily autonomy abuses in the matter of the conservatorship of Britney Spears and the not-so-widely reported case of the conservatorship of one of my childhood heroes, Nichelle Nicholas, who first played Lieutenant Horror in the original Star Trek television show and ultimately achieved the rank of Lieutenant Commander in the Star Trek film series. So today I want to hone in on the fact that we as mere mortals need to realize that any and all of us are susceptible to a decline in our cognitive abilities, be it a rapid decline, such as been reported in the media to be the case concerning Ms. Spears, or bought on by and slowly over time by organic means such as advanced age or disease that affects our brain, as has been reported to be the case uh, with and concerning Ms. Nichols. Now, according to experts in the field, as a general rule, the decline can be brought on by external factors introduced into our neurological systems, such as the result of substance, even uh, medically uh, 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 
provided uh, overuse of drugs or the abuse brought on by our deciding to medicate ourselves, or it could be brought on by suffering some form of trauma, such as one or more concussions, like so many football players and other athletes suffer over the course of their athletic careers. Now, because the old as well as the young may find themselves in a space where their declining cognition necessitates the intervention of others, including the courts, we mere mortals need to plan for both our ultimate transition to the next iteration and just as importantly for the likely intermediate step we all face that is to say, before we die, we may lose our ability to care for ourselves and our states due to our cognitive decline. So, for example, um, I told you when I introduced this topic a couple years ago, I mean, years ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, old age is not the only reason we lose our cognitive ability. I gave the example of my banker nearly 30 years ago when I was starting up my small business and they were going to fund it. He said that I should go right out and get a disability policy because I might leave his office, get hit by a truck, lose my cognitive ability, and yet live. Now, such a policy, such a disability policy, which I, I want you to know I did obtain, would have made monthly payments to my estate to pay for my physical needs and my medical care until I reached the age of 65 when Medicare would take over. Well, another example of non-age-related loss of cognition are athletes who over the time get overexposed to the long-term effects of concussions, such as those players in the National Football League. Now, which brings me back to the intersection of probate law and estate planning and sports law and financial elder abuse law as a means to combat the financial and personal abuses our fellow citizens who suffer cognitive decline, including a relatively new class of cognitively impaired, that is to say current and retired National Football League players who suffer the latent effect of multiple concussions. Now the dirty little secret about what's going on in the NFL is that black athletes who according to the league's own statistics make up 70% of the players have mostly been declined the full and equal access to a fund that was set up to compensate them when and if they became impaired due to something that I consider to be trash science that is called racial norming. So when we come back we'll continue our discussion on what we all need to consider about the likelihood that we again as mere mortals have to plan for the care of ourselves and our loved ones when we face cognitive decline and or our passing. But before we do, we're going to take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our foray into the intersection of 
probate law, elder law, sports law, and estate planning by looking at what can happen if we don't plan ahead for our own very likely incapacity. As we live longer and longer, some of us approaching 100 years of age, we're likely to have a cognitive decline and we need to prepare for it. Now, before the break, I introduce you to a relatively new class of the cognitively impaired. That is to say, current and retired NFL players who suffer the latent effect of multiple concussions over the course of their athletic careers. Now, you should know that in April of 2016, a United States federal appellate court approved the settlement agreement in a case called NRE National Football League Players Concussion Injury Litigation. Now, in that litigation, retired professional football players bought a class action against the NFL seeking compensation from the NFL for serious medical conditions they alleged were caused by game-related head trauma. Now, thousands of players uh, in the lawsuit were consolidated into a federal court in Pennsylvania under a federal court judge, Anita Brody, who ordered the parties to mediate rather than continue to litigate their individual claims that had been swooped up into a, a class action. Now, a comprehensive settlement agreement resulted avoiding the court's ruling on the defenses raised by the NFL or the merits raised by the retired players in their claims against the NFL. Now, without admitting any wrongdoing, the NFL agreed to an uncapped compensation fund that would potentially cover over 20,000 retired players in exchange for a release of all the concussion-related claims against the league. Now, at the time, it was predicted that the NFL's outlays would ultimately exceed $1 billion. Now, the dirty little secret about that settlement and what's going on vis-a-vis uh, -vis the black athletes, who, according to, again, the NFL's own statistics, make up 70% of the players, is that they have mostly been denied full and equal access to that fund set up to compensate them when they become impaired due to this unscientific and what I consider to be a racist practice of racial norming. So what the hell is racial norming in the NFL? At the crux of the controversy, the NFL's Concussion Settlement Program manual used by clinicians chosen to make the impairment diagnosis recommend the use of something called full demographic, demographic correction in which a player's cognitive test scores are compared to the average scores or norms for similar demographic groups and then adjusted to account for the expected differences in age, gender, education, and race. Now, the practice widely known as race norming is used across several different medical fields supposedly as a safeguard against misdiagnosis. But because the norms assume that the average black player 
starts at a lower level of cognitive function than the average white player outside their careers, the former players say black players need to show a larger decline than their white players to qualify for the compensation. Now, in a paper published in, by the Journal of American Medical Association's Neurology in December, Dr. Katherine Poison of the Memory and Aging Center at the University of California, San Francisco, criticized the program and warned against the use of race-adjusted norms as the crude proxy for lifelong social experience. She says, and I quote, in many clinical situations, false negatives cause greater harm, such as when needed services are deemed unnecessary. Uh, this case is reminiscent of a damaging centuries-long history of assuming that differences in intelligence are primarily inherited and then use this false assumption to legitimize unequal distributions of resources to a social class. Now, the medical literature on racial norming um, continues to shift amidst the growing racial reckoning across this country in its major industries. So last year, a group of Harvard-affiliated doctors highlighted the potential dangers of race-adjusted algorithms, and they identified them in several different fields of medical uh, fields in the uh, public uh, a paper published in the New England Journal of Medicine. So doctors are recognizing the fallacy of race norming, but you know, in the uh, settlement agreement with the NFL, the NFL gets to choose the doctors. So that's why this is coming up again, and there's been a change in the settlement to get rid of racial norming. So what is cognition in general? Now, according to Pedia.com, cognition refers to the mental process of acquiring knowledge and understanding through thought, experience, and senses. It involves complex mental actions such as gaining knowledge and understanding, thinking, knowing, judging, and problem solving. Moreover, human minds are capable of handling endless streams of information. However, the process of this information involves several stages. There's a stage where a person takes in sensations from the world around her, and with that information she gains through her senses, she first has to compartmentalize it by reducing that central uh, sensory information, and then elaborating on it, expanding on it, and then finally storing that information in memory such that she's able to recall it when she's faced with new situations. So what is intelligence? Well, the concept of intelligence has been and remains a controversial topic, and there is no agreed-upon definition of intelligence. Some researchers and scientists and doctors defined it as a single general ability, while others consider it to encompass a wide range of aptitude, skills, and talents. Now, the Encyclopedia Britannica defines it as a mental quality that consists of the ability to learn from experience, adapt to new situations, 
understand and handle abstract concepts and use that knowledge to manipulate one's environment, hopefully for the good. So what's the difference between cognition and intelligence? Well, cognition is the mental process of acquiring knowledge and understanding through thought, experience, and senses, while intelligence is the ability to learn or understand things and to deal with new and difficult situations. So then what is neurocognitive impairment, the medical uh, diagnosis for which the NFL proposed to set up this at least $1 billion fund? Well, according to the Center for Disease Control, cognitive impairment is when a person has trouble remembering, learning new things, concentrating, or making decisions that affect their everyday life. Cognitive or neurocognitive impairment ranges from mild to severe. With mild impairment, people may begin to notice changes in their cognitive functions, but still be able to do their everyday activity, while severe levels of impairment can lead to losing the ability to understand the meaning of important things and sometimes the ability to talk or write, resulting in the inability to live independently, a la why a conservatorship comes in. So what is an estate plan? Well, if you reside in California, where this show originates and where I am licensed to practice law, you are, and if you're in control of your faculties, you and your counsel will use an estate plan to strategically plan a process focused on creating a series of contracts between you and the state of California with the goal of transferring your assets to the beneficiaries of your choice with the least negative tax consequences or other consequences that might diminish the value of your estate. And just as important, to inform the state of California via its court system who you want to take charge of your financial and or bodily affairs if you become incapacitated before you make your final worldly transition to the next iteration. So the primary tools of an estate plan are a will, one or more various kinds of trusts, a durable power of attorney for property management, that's the contract between you and the state where you say how you want your estate handled, and something called an advanced health care or durable power of attorney for health care. That's where you tell the state of California and its court system, you know, who you want to make decisions about your health care. You also have to have uh, properly figure out how to settle your bank accounts, your investment accounts, your insurance policy so that your desired beneficiary can take the proceeds without having to go through probate court or if they do have to go how to minimally involve the probate court. Now I also believe that taping a video kindly explaining why you have disinherited someone who may believe they're entitled to some or all of your estate such as a relative you are unhappy with or a boyfriend or a girlfriend who you don't want to take anything and in fact sometimes having in a video explaining your choice will curtail a will contest or a fight um, over your chosen disposition of your assets 
and if properly done, the video may form the credible, admissible evidence of your decisions, your choices, if any or part of your estate gets challenged after your death. And just as importantly, seeing you while you're in control of your faculties at the time you created your estate plan and made these decisions about your estate and about your health care will create um, some level of comfort to those you leave behind. So when we get together next time, we're going to look at the individual components of a state, an estate plan. Um, but we're going to leave it here for now. But as always in closing, we like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law including the laws dealing with our ability to plan for our own ultimate transition and the intermediate steps before we get there while we're in our right minds. But in the meantime, I once again must urge you to please get vaccinated against COVID. Please don't expose the rest of us to uh, COVID that might come into your system and mutate and harm us and our children, your children, and our grandparents. And also, please keep your social distance and mask up when you're out and about, even if you're vaccinated, and wash your hands. Till next time, take care. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.